Finance. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Financial Independence Podcast, the podcast that gets inside the brains of some of the best and brightest in personal finance to find out how they achieved financial independence. I can't believe it, but today is actually the 10-year anniversary of the Financial Independence Podcast. Exactly 10 years ago on this day, I published my very first interview with Mr. Money Mustache, and I would have never imagined in a million years that a decade later I'd still be doing this. So to celebrate this big day, I decided to go back through that old episode and extract the best bits from my interview with Mr. Money Mustache. So today's episode is going to be a short one, but it's going to be packed full of good stuff. Big thanks again to Mr. Money Mustache for taking a chance on an unknown podcast way back in 2012. Huge thanks to all of you out there for listening and for you know chiming in and making this a lot more fun than I expected it to be. And hope you enjoy the best bits of Mr. Money Mustache. What is your investing strategy? Well, investing is pretty simple, at least if you do the the stodgy old man way, which is basically just you don't buy Apple stock, you don't buy Facebook stock, you just buy big index funds from the Vanguard company where you basically you're just buying a huge slice of the U.S. economy and then you buy another huge slice of the European economy. And so you're not trying to predict ups and downs. You're just throwing all your money in there and it just grows by itself. It's very stable. You get dividends from it. And the funny part about that style of investing is it's the easiest kind, but yet from an academic perspective, people who do studies on this, they prove that it's also the most efficient kind in terms of risk versus reward ratio and stuff. So yeah, it really does work great. And Vanguard is, in my opinion, one of the best companies to do that because their fees are the lowest. So it ends up being hundreds of thousands of dollars that you save over a lifetime in investment management fees, which is pretty significant and, and it makes it really simple. What do you think about real estate investing? Overall, if, for people who are interested in stuff like houses and real estate, that's a source of passive income that's much better than stocks and dividends, if you know what you're doing, because the rate of return is much higher. Like in stocks, if you buy a dividend fund at Vanguard, you get 3 to 4% per year. But a rental house or like a small apartment building or a duplex or whatever, it's not unheard of for those things to give you 10% of their value, even after paying for all their expenses. Per year. So there's all kinds of fancy ways to get a living without even having to resort to stocks. It just depends on how conservative you are. Stocks are the most conservative and safe. Real estate takes a bit more knowledge and skill. There is a risk because if you don't know what you're doing, you can end up getting underwater properties with loans like everybody did in 2008. What's your advice for trying to invest in a raging bull market? So there's different levels of timing the market that are more or less destructive. And sometimes you just need a psychological crutch to feel like you're doing something. So the destructive way would be like, I'm just going to sell everything and then just hold it in gold coins under my mattress until it's cheaper again. So that's really, really unlikely to work. So uh, you'd feel like you're doing something, but then you'd feel bad when you have no money 20 years from now. So first of all, you could keep training yourself and just keep reading these books and be disciplined and always just throw every paycheck into the market. That's probably the the most winning strategy. But if you really, really can't do that, you could do like little stuff like, well, stocks are so expensive. I'm just going to pay a little bit of my mortgage off extra. Like I'm going to start doing 500 extra to my mortgage this month or for the next year. And so you're still creating a win-win situation where you're getting positive returns on this money and you're diversifying a little bit. 
and you can't really predict the statistics either way. You might get lucky or you might get slightly unlucky, but you're still going to come out ahead and way better than almost everybody else. So the thing I like to think about with investing is you don't have to be anything close to amazing to make it work for you. You just have to keep a net positive over a, a long period of time. So you should just do whatever approach, but just don't let yourself become uninvested and don't try to really outsmart the world. How did you realize that financial independence is possible? I just realized that money makes money for you. So your real goal is just to have enough money that it continually makes money so that you don't have to work anymore. What are your thoughts on paying off your mortgage early? So for me, I did pay off my house and I've never regretted it. I feel great not having a mortgage payment. And statistically, I would have been better to leave the money in stocks and still have a mortgage now. But there's, it's not a contest for most money. It's just a contest for feeling good about your financial situation and sleeping well. What do you think about trying to hit five before having kids? It really changes the parenting experience. Kids are such a huge commitment. They take so much time and they keep you up at night when they're babies. And the more time you have for your kid, the better. And especially if you're one of those types of people that really wants to do a good job at whatever you do, like say you're a dedicated career person, and then you have a kid or two, you're going to be comparatively quite crappy at your job because like all of a sudden you have to miss sick days and you're always taking calls from home or you don't feel like you can work late because there's people waiting for you at home. So your mind is divided. So I really like the idea of if you are lucky enough to get started early thinking about this plan, like when you're 20, get your money earning and your career kick-assing done in advance while you have time to focus on it. And then when you have the kids, you have time to focus on them. And it's okay if you suck at your job or preferably you don't even have a full-time job during your kid-raising years because just one thing at a time. What are your thoughts on making money after achieving financial independence? A job is kind of a soul-sucking enterprise, and it, especially if it's not the perfect job for you. So all of your creative energy goes into that. So once you quit it, your creative energy and your skills kind of come out of the woodwork. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself doing stuff that you didn't have time to do before. And then it takes on a life of its own because you're not too worried about the money. And then you end up with neat new careers you never would have thought of since you and I are both writing blogs now that's an example in itself like I never thought I would be a writer of any sort I mean I enjoyed writing and reading but all of a sudden this thing has become super addictive and I love writing and now my blog is maybe even a bigger job than the carpentry was because it's kind of taken off in in a sense and and in fact even the, the blog even started making money which I never expected so a bunch of unexpected and fun stuff happens when you stop working for a living that's the real key and makes your life a lot more of an adventure, which I like. Is there anything you would say to somebody who's nearing financial independence and thinking about retiring early? It depends on what your issues are, but most people seem to have an issue of being afraid to quit and they often get one more year syndrome. Am I really going to be okay after I give up this fire hose of cash for my real job? So for people like that, it is to just set an arbitrary date, which might be this afternoon, and just do it. Because the sooner you get into the new exciting experiences of this new life, that's when the growth resumes. And that's the whole point of retiring early and starting new adventures is getting the growth. So delaying the growth is often uh, a problem. And people like make that happen five years or more past when they could have been out there doing new stuff. (laughs) 
How do you find meaning in your life after early retirement? Read some stuff about ancient principles that were around before we became this fancy society that we are right now. So things like stoicism and, and basically what it boils down to is enjoying hardship and, and practicing a voluntary hardship every day. For example, just having a bit less clothes than you might normally wear outside. So finding ways to trick yourself into being challenged each day, that's kind of a, a way to immediately make your life become more meaningful. And even if you're still like very at the beginning of getting your finances in order, having this as a framework suddenly makes everything else work better. And then it, suddenly you can earn more money and you can spend less money because you're engaged in this quest to make your life better, which happens to involve doing difficult stuff. And most people were trained in this country to avoid difficult stuff. And so that's the first thing I think you got to get rid of if you want to get anywhere that's different from the other people. What's the biggest splurge in the MMM household? My biggest splurge is my relentless insistence on fancy houses and every single detail has to be my view fancy. So like, for example, I could not live with a white dishwasher or a white microwave. It has to be silver in color. <laughs> and I would never be satisfied in the long run with a plastic shower pan. It has to be finely installed tiles with like just the right grout and stuff. So yeah, I'm really kind of a sucker for the physical environment that I spend most of my time in. And even though I keep trying to put it in the human history context and I'm wedging myself into a narrow slice of only this tiny fraction I've ever experienced living in a house like that, but I just keep indulging it anyway, and I'm, I'm going to keep doing it. <laughs> What's the biggest challenge you faced in post-fi life? For me, the money part just completely faded away pretty quickly. So yeah, we don't think about money or investments or anything. It's more about trying to make sure you're getting the most happiness out of each day. And for me, because I can be a bit spaghetti scatterbrained, it's trying to get more strategic about long-term life stuff so that I really feel like I'm living a worthwhile life and not just getting too caught up in little activities, just trivial pursuits of reading stuff that I don't really get enjoyment out of. So it's more like day-to-day -day time management. I'm really, really happy with my family situation already and parenting situation and health. So Certainly nothing to complain about, but there's definitely some days at the end of the day where I'm like, oh, I just wasted this whole day of retirement in beautiful location. So I, that's a thing I'm working on, trying to get those days down to zero. What are your thoughts on charitable giving? I was always kind of cautious in uh, my younger years, like because of my upbringing, kind of cautious family. Save your money, protect yourself, build up walls to make sure you can never possibly run out of money. It was fun. And somewhat rewarding. But then once I got to the ridiculous surplus point, like shortly after that, then I realized, well, the only logical choice is to devote your time to helping other people because you don't need to help yourself anymore. And then I realized that that's actually a much more fun way to devote your time. So in a way, being almost purely generous is the most selfish thing you can do because it makes you feel much better than just giving yourself stuff, giving yourself more security and treats and everything. So then it's like a double win because you can be selfish by being generous for the rest of your life. That's a great pursuit. It's like suddenly a new thing to do with money and, and time. So that was a big surprise for me. I, actually, I didn't know that was going to happen. How does financial independence impact personal relationships? As soon as we retired and had a kid, 
We started spending like the entirety of every summer in Canada back hanging around with siblings and grandparents and stuff. Whereas in the old days, if we'd kept our jobs, it would have just been like two weeks. It's so nice to take work away as your first priority. And that lets people you care about a sense a lot more warmth coming from you because you no longer have to give your soul to the office anymore. What do you think is the best part of FI? The idea of freedom is great. And the idea of weekdays becoming your weekends is really neat. Like I still get a bit of a thrill every Monday morning and I wake up and I'm like, yes, it's not a work day today. And then it feels like just the idea of an unlimited weekend is really, really magical. So you get this nice thrill of like, I don't have to do anything, but I just want to do stuff. So it's just a really nice feeling every morning when you wake up and there's the sun and there's more stuff you can do and your days aren't really planned out. What's the biggest piece of advice you'd give to somebody on the path to financial independence? What I would suggest is make sure you're thinking about your spending even more than your income. By understanding what happiness means and helping to decouple the idea of happiness from owning certain things, you can really amaze yourself at how fun your life can be because really the whole secret to uh, living a rich life is not feeling like you need more than you already have. Otherwise, you're going to just be always craving more and more and more until you get to the Gulfstream G650 jet and then you'll be like, okay, now... I have everything, but I'm still not happy. Crap. And that's because the happiness does not get increased by buying stuff. So learn about happiness, read books about happiness. That's number one advice, because that'll help you spend a lot less, because all of a sudden it'll just kill so many of your material desires, and then you'll be so much happier. And really, this whole thing about retirement and early retirement and financial independence, it's, it's really a quest for happiness. So study that independently of the money, and then that makes the money part easier. And then another tactic is just my golden rule is that everybody has to ride a bike, which is almost a little bit related to the happiness thing because like a bike is like this distilled essence of life where you get where you want to go, you get fitness, you get socialization, nature, you get badassity in the sense that you get tougher and you're forced to deal with nature. And it's like the bike is a microcosm of leading a good life. And it also saves you a ton of money. So Basically, if you lead a life and you're an able-bodied person and, and you're not riding a bike, there's something wrong in your life and you got to fix that. It's funny because it sounds so shallow, but it's actually pretty deep. It's basically, if you can get to enjoy riding a bike all the time, then you're probably on the right path to leading a happy and financially independent life. Finance.